Deep in the farthest recesses of the most distant jungle lies a city. A city populated by the most mysterious, terrifying, and downright grotesque denizens ever seen by mortal eye. Here, in the darkened corners of this cavernous locale, sits an ordinary, average brick building with an innocuous, ordinary, average, blinking neon sign which reads, On Air. It is here where each week, Seth Breedlove and Mark Matsky convene to discuss the greatest mysteries the world has ever known. Now, strap on your hiking boots, grab your trusty walking stick, and don't forget your machete as we begin our journey through Monsteropolis. This is Monsteropolis, a show about anomalies, legends, and monsters. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth Breedlove. Joined as always by my pal Mark Matsky. Hello, how are you? I'm great. These are always awkward because we've just been talking, and then we go into the show, and then we basically have to start talking again, like we haven't yes. been talking the entire time. Right. Um. But yeah, I'm good. I'm. It's po- It's podcast law. Yeah. You have to do that. You have to talk like you're. <laughs> yeah, like you haven't been talking all along. Um. Strange question. What have you been eating on? on quarantine like are, i find that my weekends are are solely me eating out like just really? constant takeout and delivery and that's like my weekend and i start planning yeah. it at basically on tuesday like on tuesday i start thinking well what do i want to do friday Saturday, <laughs> yeah you know it, it's interesting because we have a little different experience i think it's been largely i'll, I'll make one big grocery run per yeah, week i do that too for me and my mom and dad oh, okay. so i'm like just getting this mass amount of food and what we've discovered i mean i guess it's it's just running the numbers but if you don't go out or don't you know take out you can get a lot nicer stuff mm-hmm. at the grocery store mm-hmm. so we've been living pretty high on the hog as far as type of food that we've been having and yeah. like nice meals um now this past week sue did like two weeks worth of meals ahead mm-hmm. so that we just have to heat it up so that, but even so that's been good too. Yeah. But that's been our plan. It's been really like home centered, Wow. but it's, it's been good. The quality of food has been good. Mm. Hey, uh, good news. Um, Anne's is doing a soft opening starting tomorrow. So they're really, they're, they're on the verge of going under, but apparently tomorrow they are going to do a soft opening. So hopefully they stay, around nice what yeah. are you gonna get uh donuts i think yeah, yeah. donuts make me go nuts <laughs> uh, <laughs> everyone just tuned out right right at that moment <laughs> every listener turned their show off um yeah no i've i've uh i mean that's the most disheartening thing not to turn this into like corona cast but corona too yeah but um you know our movie theater is going under um the in the plaza down the road the two two different businesses went out in one day the little caesars strangely enough went out that's yeah that's weird and um uh great clips or like best cuts one of those like chain uh barbershop places went out we've lost a couple different local restaurants um smaller places and two places opened in the middle of it um you know they had had their openings planned so one of them is this great pizza place 
uh, Bosco's Pizza Kitchen, which apparently mm-hmm. is going to be my new favorite Wadsworth pizza place because it's really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other one, there's there's a, a water. It's called like the Water Main Grill. It's at the end of this street. Um, and they're doing something really interesting. They just opened with like a set menu every night for carryout. So they only okay. make like one thing and it's like a, right. a, a you know, carry a family style dinner. Um, and each each day they kind of set a, set the menu and they've sold out every single day. So nice. they're super psyched. Yeah, they've been yeah, posting about it every day. And people are like sending flowers and stuff to, to some of these places. So it's been kind of cool to see mm-hmm. some of that go on. But we're not talking about the coronavirus this week. We're talking about um, letters that we received from you, our dear listeners, which is great because I forgot we needed to do a recording session this week. So, so um, you said there's seven emails, which I think yeah. might make this, that might make this the the listener mailbag episode. So I think, yeah, I mean, these are all quality letters mm-hmm. and we asked and they responded big time. Yeah. Um, do you want to just dive into this? Is there anything else we need to talk about? Um, I, don't... I, I did want to mention real quick, a big thank you to everyone that has bought um, stuff from the online store. Uh, the, the, the web store has been as busy as it's ever been without a new release really i mean i know on the trail of ufos came out last month but this has been it's been pretty crazy pretty much since the um the the quarantine really started we've just had daily sales on a on a pretty crazy level so uh, i know adrian took a bunch down to the post office today um so every almost every day we're shipping stuff out and it's been that's been that's been crazy so if you bought yeah. stuff at uh smalltownmonsters.com thank you for supporting us uh, and we hope to, we have some big announcements coming in the next, in the next couple weeks. I'll be, I'll actually be doing some filming starting, um, next weekend. So we're, we're excited about, uh, that somewhat return to normalcy, um, on the production end of things. So, and then we have, yeah, we have a lot of announcements coming. I just have no idea when they're being made cause I'm not the one making them. So, hmm. yeah, I have to reserve, um, some Momo lobby cards. I mm-hmm. realized. Yeah. That, you don't have like any? the one thing. No. Oh yeah. You got to get a couple of those. <laughs> that's the one thing above everything is my Momo lobby cards. There's a whole new postcard set Adrian did. Oh yeah. We haven't had them printed yet. Um, but we need to do that. I'm restocking the Appalachian Appalachian monsters box set. Those have been completely out for a while. So I'm restocking yeah. that in the next couple of weeks as well. So, and we're going to try to like, I think we're going to start running sales each week, like a different sale on the web store on one thing, you know, here and there and just, um, but yeah, it, it it's, it's been, uh, I think that this week has been much more encouraging than like some of the previous weeks. And part of that mm-hmm. is just the fact that I'm really looking forward to filming again right. like just getting out and filming and i've been i've actually been shooting some stuff um in social distancing protocols uh at my sister's house uh back mm-hmm. in the woods so um we're excited to to get back into that kind of stuff so the um the nerve monster commentary was a lot of fun yes I hope people go check that out and, yeah. and the boggy creek commentary too those are super fun yeah if to, um to watch and do yeah, if you if you weren't aware of those, I should have. I don't even know if I talked about them on the show. Uh, we did we did Boggy Creek Monster uh, commentary, and we did a, a yesterday we did a Minerva Monster commentary. You can watch the entire movie 
and listen to the commentary simultaneously. And they're uh, available on our Facebook page and the YouTube channel. Now, having said that, I'm not sure how long the YouTube channel version of Boggy Creek Monster will remain. Uh, that movie is there's distribution rights uh, that were given over to someone else. So they might want me to pull it down at some point because the movie's playing. But at the same time, you can't really hear the movie. You're just listening to us talk about making the yeah. movie. Uh, and the one we did yesterday about Minerva Monster was a lot of fun. It's Mark, myself, Brandon Dalo, and Nathan Newcomer. And we just reminisced about the making. And it went a lot longer than the movie. Uh, I think it went, <laughs> it went like 11 minutes longer than the actual runtime of the yeah. movie. Uh, so you can check that out uh, completely free. And then the next one we're going to do is going to be uh, Bray Road Beast, which I think will be next week. I have to figure out who the roster, who the lineup is going to be for that one. I'm yeah. trying to get Santino on that one because I really wanted him to talk about how he did a lot of the effects. So Right. Andy is psyched about that. Mm-hmm. I, he is ready to go. Yeah, cool. Yep. We're we're as of what I would really like to do is try to get Linda on with us. But I'm oh. not I'm not entirely positive, you know, how that would work. So mm-hmm. we we just gotta figure out who we're gonna have on. But yes, th- there will be another one coming. I'm not entirely sure yet if it's next week or the week after, but next week's a little crazy with, with work stuff. So um oh good. I just got someone else involved <laughs> involved in the movie. Nice. Um, yeah, so okay, let's get into this though. We have we okay. have letters. All right, so we will begin with um, Andrew Smith's email. Mm-hmm. He was recently on the show with us. He said, hi, Mark and Seth. Thanks again for having me on the show. My daughter woke me up in the middle of the night tonight and couldn't fall back to sleep, so I started looking at my phone. Long story short, I was browsing around my preferred podcatcher and was looking at listener stats and reviews for shows I like. I was looking into the stats of your show. After, out of curiosity, I looked at the stats of Sasswat. That show still has a lot of current subs, even though you aren't making new episodes. Have you considered running your Bigfoot-centric shows on that feed to try to get those folks to switch over to Monsteropolis if they haven't already? Thanks again for all the great content, both on and off Monsteropolis. Take care. It's a good idea. I, I have thought of that. And didn't we run the first episode of Monsteropolis on there? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's th- the one we recorded at the conference there, there's honestly no reason i couldn't still be running most of the shows on still on sasswat sasswat had a much larger listener base um i don't know if it's hit a million total listens or not yet but it, it was a lot more it, it was a bigger show it seemed like a bigger show than the monsteropolis although monsteropolis has been growing for the last uh year pretty pretty you know like you can go month by month and see that every mm-hmm. month it's growing so the listener base is coming but um that's a good idea I might do it, but I'm also very lazy, so I might not. <laughs> yes, we've been growing like a radioactive monster. We, we should mention of the sea. that the lantern is now available. Um, so if you want to watch, uh, if you want to watch Andrew's short film that we talked about, it's available on uh, their YouTube channel. Is that the Flatwoods Monster or the Braxton County CV? I think it's Braxton. Okay. Um, on Facebook, it'd be the Flatwoods Monster Museum. Okay. page yeah so go check that out it's a really fun fun watch and and it's uh entirely free there's a lot of good like free content out there right now there so, is yeah so go check it out all right our next one is from Dwayne, who we met also out in washington and uh, is uh hawk nato on oh, twitter yeah. if i'm not mistaken the man the man yeah 
Hey guys, as always, love the podcast. My question is, would you entertain the idea of an STM movie slash documentary of the Albert Osman story? I'd like to see your portrayal of it in film. I don't believe it's been done yet. Hope that's something you'd consider. Stay safe, keep up the good work, and hope to see you again soon at an upcoming conference or movie awards. <laughs> the Oscars. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I have, yeah, I mean, we're... We, we, you know, obviously Osman was discussed in, in the first episode of On the Trail of, of Bigfoot, which we were filming the week we met Hawk NATO. Yeah, <laughs> uh, right. That very episode, actually, a, mm-hmm. lot, of, a lot of the footage from that. Um, so it's something I would, I have never thought about doing, and I don't know how I would approach that. I've, I, also, I, I also am very skeptical of that story. I don't know why. I just have always felt like some of the details in it are so strange and almost cartoonish um, that I've always been fairly skeptical of the story itself. Unlike something like Abe Canyon, which I think there's a lot of, you know, like it seems like there's a, a lot of corroborating evidence and things like that. With with the Osman account, we can't find as much corroborating evidence, although he did, if I'm not mistaken, he did a a, a, a sworn affidavit. Was, mm-hmm. Is that a sworn affidavit? Yeah, yep. re- regarding that story. So, I mean, he, I do believe he believed that that, event happened so anyway i don't know i've never thought of it it would be a really difficult movie to make because it's one guy and three or four i guess uh bigfoots the simpsons but they're bigfoot (laughs) could have the couch gag at the beginning yeah yeah bigfoot streaming in the room yeah the interesting thing too i that would be cool to to do somehow would try to find the approximate area where it happened and retrace the steps just to see the, the general terrain, if it's different or the same as it was back then. And, mm-hmm. But I mean, the, the difficulty too with that is with STM projects, generally speaking, we're trying to get the people who are involved in the sighting and yeah. that's just not possible in this case. Although, uh, recordings exist of Osman telling the story, but that's a little bit different there's, as well. There, there's a great 70s documentary. I can't remember which one, but actually has Osman in it, if I'm not mistaken. Is that? Yeah, I vaguely, I don't remember. I think I've I, talked, I can't, I see the, the problem is all those 70s docs get tied up together in my head. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I swear it's, he had the accent, right? They're really, uh, yes, they're yeah. right. Like he this did. really crazy accent that's not, that I don't understand um, what, what the accent is, but there's, Mm. there is a, uh, there's a seventies documentary. I'm going to have to do some digging on this and find it. Cause I actually won't really want to watch it again. They interviewed Ostman. They interviewed, they interviewed some really like important people from historical Bigfoot accounts in the documentary. And I found it not too long ago. I'm going to say Fred Beck was in it. I can't, I I need to possible. Yeah, I need to look uh, look this up. It's not, you know, I know it's not mysterious monsters. I don't think it's man beast. I don't think it's man or beast. It's but it's like it's one of those great seventies docs, and this one was like a almost like a historical document. Um, I'm gonna have hmm. to find it, but I know I watched it on YouTube, and I watched it at the height of Momo production because I I really appreciated it because mm-hmm. of that. But yeah, th- cool question, and um. Yeah, I just haven't ever thought about about doing an entire documentary on that case. The real question is, who would we put in the sleeping bag for the recreation? Oh yeah, Adam Dugan. <laughs> then just yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, human, human, human pinata. 
He's given up the body before yeah. her uh, STM shoot, so Amy that would be nothing. Amy, uh, Adrian's oh, yeah. cousin. Yeah, I'll have to tell that story some other time <laughs> after the movie's out. Yes. All right, uh, moving on, let's go to Charles. Now, I, I'm really excited to talk about this, actually. Um, hey, guys, for your listener email episode, I was going to ask if you've heard of this new documentary called Big Fur about a taxidermist who set out to create the most realistic Bigfoot ever. I listened to a, a podcast interview with him and the director, and he's an interesting guy, and he has his own Bigfoot sightings, which he referenced in his creation, and had some interesting theories like using bent over trees that touch the ground as portals to disappear into. I don't think the documentary is out yet, but there are clips on YouTube. He might be a cool guest for a future episode. Thank you. So until he had, until I read this email, I had no idea what this was. Mm -hmm. So I went looking on YouTube today and watched the trailer. Yes. And there is a little, like there's a short, uh, another YouTube channel by mm -hmm. the International Screenwriters Association talked to Ken Walker, who's the, the taxidermist, and Dan Wayne, who's the director of the film, mm -hmm. and just talks to them about creating this movie. So I did, I went out and found out about it, and now I really want to see it. It looks fascinating. Yeah, I, w I remember watching the trailer and think thinking it looked great, um, but I have yet to see it. It is out, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's... Yeah, it's available. It's been released. It was released on October 24th of last year, mm -hmm. but it's only been shown at festivals and so forth. Okay. Um, and somebody has acquired the digital rights, so it'll be available soon mm -hmm. for downloading and, and streaming. Okay. But I, I don't I don't see it anywhere yet. Okay. Uh, as yeah. soon as it is, I can't wait to dig in. That Same here. Really cool. Yeah, the anytime you get a a documentary detailing or dealing with cryptids or cryptozoology or the paranormal in general that doesn't look like it was shot uh, like Minerva, um, I get <laughs> I get I get excited, um, and and this looks great. Like the the cinematography and everything look look really good. I remember I just remember when I watched the trailer, I thought I I have to see this when this comes out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had the same sensation. Mm -hmm. And just to be clear, um, it, it's a guy, Ken Walker, the taxidermist in question, is making a model of a Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. I don't want to give the impression. That he killed that a Bigfoot. <laughs> and, and he is in the movies by him stuffing it. Right. right. <laughs> How funny would it be, though, if that's the way we find out that Bigfoot is actually real and we have a, we have a type specimen? Yeah. Yeah, movie about a a, a taxidermist. Oh well, I guess part of that comes out of the trailer itself, or or some promotional material where he says that his hope is that someone will, after watching this, will come forward and say, um, "Guess what I have in my freezer?" I think is the exact quote. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, Big Fur is the name. A uh, Wedge Films is the the. Cool. production company and dan wayne is the director so awesome looks pretty cool yeah it looks great our next letter was from james and he writes hi my name is james i'm a big fan of the show i've been listening to your guys podcast for a few months now and i've developed a huge interest in bigfoot i want to start doing some research and hunting to try and get videos or pictures or something but i don't know where to go i go to WSU and lived near Lewiston, Idaho, and was hoping you guys could point me in the right direction. Thanks for reading this, and I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for making such an awesome show. Cool, cool. 
I'm sorry. I got a, a message. I'm probably going to have to edit this out. I got a message while you were reading that and totally looked at the message. What it, What was the What was the email? It was uh, Lewis uh, James. Yeah. I'll just read it again. You don't have to read it again. Just tell me. <laughs> no, did it's, he... it's that short. Okay. My name is James. I'm a big fan of the show. I've been listening. It has a huge interest in Bigfoot. I want to start doing some research and hunting to try and get videos or pictures or something, but I don't know where to go. Okay. I go to WSU and live near Lewiston, Idaho, and was hoping you guys could point me in the right direction. Cool. Okay. Sorry about that. I, this is what happens is like I've was, I spent my whole day messaging like 15 different people, and then they all start. Nobody messaged me the entire day. Like I just sat there, and now everyone's sending everything at once. Yeah. You can probably hear my – can you hear the computer in the other room dinging every yeah. five seconds? Um, <laughs> so where do you start? Like if you're just getting started, it's hard to say because I never know how to answer this because everyone approaches the subject differently. And some people are looking for historical research and some people want to know how they get out in the field and find Bigfoot. And so, you know, I think Mark and I in some ways are in the same camp on this because I think we're both more research oriented than we are investigative oriented. Um, So you know, for me, I, I always go, I mean, like if you're looking for books, I always, I love that Lauren Coleman, Bigfoot, the, the true story of apes in America. And I've talked about that a lot. I love Lyle Blackburn's the beast of Boggy Creek book. Um, and, uh, you know, if you like drier material, like dry, dry material, that's a little more educational based. There's, 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 um, uh, Jeff Meldrum's book, which I'm, I can't remember the name. Oh, big, uh, Sasquatch. Sasquatch legend meets science or something like that's that. That's it. Okay. Yep. Yeah, that's it. Um, so those are some books that I would check out. And and then there's like any number of, of decent documentaries. Watch this. There's a free one on YouTube and Amazon Prime right now called On the Trail of Bigfoot. It's like a six episode series. And that's pretty good. Like that's honestly like we made that for people like you, James, um, who, are, who are getting into it and like, Want, want a pretty good overview of the entire thing. And then if you're like, you want to find Bigfoot, like that's your thing. Like just go, go look <laughs> like, you know, yeah, like find well, a place where, where there's a historic, a historical level of activity that goes back to a certain, you know, and then maybe just keep going there. That's I, I if I was investigating on a regular basis, that would be my approach approach and i'm not an investigator and haven't spent a a great deal of time in the field trying to find bigfoot but having gone to area x and knowing what i know about x and how they discovered x that's how they found x like they looked for a place that had historical reports going back centuries and they found reports from the 1800s and then they started going in there and they found out that sightings were still ongoing and then they kind of like staked that out and they just keep going in there and i think persistence is like the biggest aspect of the subject that probably gets overlooked because i think people think i'm just going to go out in the woods and i'm going to hit a tree with a stick and scream and then something's going to scream back and it's going to be spooky and you will have those experiences nine times out of nine and a half times out of ten that's nothing it's you know it's something you can you can um, categorize. It's like a known animal or, you know, somebody messing with you in the woods. Mm -hmm. But if you're serious about like actually trying to, I would, you know, find a place where there's activity and just keep going back there. 
Right. Uh, the huge advantage that James has is that he lives That's what I... on the border of Washington and yeah. Idaho. Yeah. So automatically you are set up to go and, um, you know, you're in Bigfoot's backyard mm -hmm. right there. You know, I, I looked at the map for this. Uh, he's not that far east of Kennewick. Wow. Um, and so about an hour and 20 minutes northeast of you is this amazing looking area called St. Joe National Forest. Mm. It's mountainous, looks very wild. Uh, and, you know, it, it seems to be the closest to um, Lewiston. That seems to be, um, you know, like a simple day trip to get up there. And there's other places closer to home, but this one looks like the type of wild mountainous terrain because you and I saw how Washington changes from west to east. Yeah. Um, North to south, looks, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And this looks like more of what you um, stereotypically think of Washington would all look like, which is to say mountains and forests. That's what the St. Joe National Forest looks like. So yeah. that would be a place to start. I mean, if I were out there where you are, James, I would be doing little day trips up there and just getting the lay of the land. So... Yeah. Good luck, and if you see anything, by all means, let us know. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to hear. Do you think people? It's interesting talking to Cliff the other day. Like Cliff was talking about, he doesn't really chase reports anymore. Did are there people that still do that a lot, like in hopes of actually finding Bigfoot? Because I know at one, you know that that was kind of like the only way it was done uh, mm -hmm. in the early days, and I don't see. I don't hear as much about that sort of thing anymore. Like people going to find Bigfoot by going and investigating reports or going to places right. where people were. Yeah. I think that's, there's a small core of people who still do. I mean, Stan Gordon obviously would be one yeah. who's always taking reports, although his is more, you know, holistic, I guess, mm -hmm. UFOs and Bigfoot combined. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think the, the whole nature of it has changed so much where it's all web-based anymore. It mm -hmm. seems to me. Like you would, people are far more apt to fill out a form on a website before they would call somebody, you know, and say, Hey, I think I saw something. So by that time, there's probably been a lot of, you know, that could be many days before you even get a response yeah. online. So the immediacy of that is probably different. I don't know. All right. Uh, next letter is from Patrick and this is, this is a good one as well. Hi, guys. I'm originally from Newcomerstown in Tuscarawas County, Ohio, so I've grown up with the topic of Bigfoot all my life. I remember when it, when it seemed very niche and didn't have the wide fandom and layman expertise it has today. I've been involved Bigfooting since I was 16 years old and spanning from Ohio, Washington, North Carolina, and Georgia. I originally discovered you guys when you were doing Sasquatch. I have to tell you, I love that podcast. I discovered it while at OBC 15 when Minerva Monster was shown and binged on it till I was caught up and had to wait impatiently for subsequent episodes. I enjoy Monsteropolis and the other STM movies just as much. So I really enjoyed a past episode on the current state of Bigfoot research, number 57. I have to say, I totally agree with everything both of you had to say. Most strikingly, the fact that most Bigfooting today is recreational and largely lacking in scientific rigor. That's not entirely bad. It keeps the quest alive, but slows its progress. I feel it's the infighting and recycling of tribal grievances within the community that does the most harm to the field. That, along with the gatekeeping by some folks who monopolize segments of the community and its activities, 
dollar sign in parentheses, are so disheartening at times. I take periodical sabbaticals from the subject and the community only to find myself pulled back into it by simply walking in the woods. Even if I had, haven't seen Bigfoot, for me, the connection between it and the forest is so strong that I often can't imagine the idea of one completely devoid of the other. I know this is something you've touched upon on your show, and there are a couple books written about the connection between the two outside the obvious a Bigfoot Lives in the Woods. Thanks for informing and entertaining me over the last five years through Sasquatch, Monstropolis, and all the STM movies. Standing by for more. P.S. For future topic considerations may be the current state of UFO research, especially in light of everything you experienced after completing On the Trail of UFOs. Mm. Another fun topic may be all of the best food places you've been to that are in proximity of places Heck yeah. where many are going to pilgrimage I'm to, down. i.e. Whitehall or Falk, etc. Again, that is from Patrick Patterson. The funny thing we talked about, I don't know if you listened to the Falk or the Boggy Creek Monster commentary, but we talked about how pretty much all we ate was like the Monster Mart and a Subway. <laughs> the Subway. Yeah. I mean, we didn't yeah. really eat out when we were there. So no, I don't I don't really have any insight into local restaurants, although I will say the pizza at the Monster Mart is great. Yeah. It's just it's Hunt Brothers, so I'm not really surprisingly sure. Surprisingly good. Yeah. yeah, it's really delightful. I crave that stuff sometimes. Um, yeah, it's a. Uh, this was a really good email. I like that a lot. Um, the the I agree with. I agree with a couple of things you said. You know, talking about the the current state of, of research. I agreed with what he's. I I I empathize or or totally understand what he says about leaving and coming back. I mean, I've, I talk about that myself. Is I I my in my interest in being involved in Bigfoot ebbs and flows. So like it comes and goes and, you know, like it's not that my interest in the subject itself or Bigfoot itself comes and goes. I'm always interested in that, but my, my desire to be a part of this comes and goes. And, um, you know, you just get so much negativity, but at the same time, you know, I think one thing this pandemic has showed me is that people in general can be pretty awful no matter what. So it doesn't, it's, you know, like we have a yeah. tendency to say, oh, the, the Bigfoot community is the worst. And really it's just a microcosm for humanity. Um, <laughs> not not to right. come across like incredibly negative there, but, um, you know, I mean. Well, you could flip that and say that, you know, by and large, most of our interaction with people has been positive. Yeah. And, and we've met super cool people too. So mm -hmm. it it is a microcosm mm -hmm. because you have the bad and the good and and the bad tend to get the most the, attention they get the most attention end of it and they tend to be the most vocal so mm -hmm. so the people that you know you see stuff like what we were talking about with cliff with like the massacre with like the the massacre thing and people calling gimlin a liar and all this kind of stuff like that's that's what grabs the attention and that's you know there's a reason those the people that are doing that are saying those things it's the people that start those controversies are doing it because they know it's going to grab clicks. Uh, sorry, <laughs> listeners, mm -hmm. but if if you're on board with with that stuff, that's what that's how it gets going. It's not done through some desire for the truth. It's done because they're aware that that's going to be an attention grabber. So they they go off in that direction. Um, yeah, I mean it's and and an, and an episode about the UFO community i honestly think everything i have to say about the ufo community was kind of said and on the trail of ufos um because i really do feel it's a very negative toxic environment 
that I've seen there. Um, and I, and I'm sure just like with Bigfoot, there's, there's positive sides to it and there's really, you know, nice, uh, nice people and people that are enthusiastic and excited about it. I mean, I saw this, I saw this displayed recently. Uh, there's someone that was clearly kind of a newbie to the field and they were a part of a group and they were very excitedly just sharing links to things that they had read or watched that they thought were, were cool. And they were just annihilated by, mm-hmm. every, you know, like, this is all a hoax. Don't be so gullible, you know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. And this was someone that was clearly just interested in the subject, found found a book or documentary they, they thought was cool, and they just got raked over the coals for mentioning it. And I think this is something that gets forgot by the people that are actively involved in these fields is like not everyone has 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 devoured this stuff as long as you have. So they might not know that. So, you know, like you you can educate them on why those things are maybe questionable, but you don't rake people over the coals as soon as they show up, you know, clearly just excited about the the subject or the field because you're going to drive that person away. Sure. Um and we see that same thing. And but that that was my that was my UFO community experience has not been mm-hmm. super positive. <laughs> Yeah. And again, it's not real. It's that doesn't relate back to sp- the people that we've interviewed or any of that. I, those those situations were all very positive, like Alejandro Rojas, who I've always kind of like connected with, like the community. He was super positive, very nice. Like Ryan Sprague, one of the my favorite interviews on that project. But the the community online, the very vocal community online, seems to be yeah a little toxic. Mm-hmm. And like you said, that holds true across interests and disciplines. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could look at different fandoms. Comic books. And it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing Patrick said, too, that I thought was uh, just wanted to touch on real quickly was how his interest gets renewed just by being out in the woods. Yes. And that I, I we've both found that to be true. I think is um, all that stuff takes a, a way back seat when you're just out there and walking a trail or going off trail or looking just, you know, you may not even be going out there specifically looking for Bigfoot per se, but just being out in the woods sort of is a reset every single time Mm -hmm. and uh, gives you a sense of wonder and seeing just being, uh, I don't know, disconnected from all that other stuff. There there has never, there has never been a greater time in history to, to, go look for Bigfoot. And, and this, I mean, it's part of what on the trail of Bigfoot two is going to be about is like, there's, there has never been a better time um, to go out in nature and forget about what's going on in the quote unquote real world. Um, So, you know, where he talks about how you can't separate Bigfoot from the forest and the forest from Bigfoot or nature. I, I've, that's, it's one of my favorite themes of this entire field is your subject is, is Bigfoot and nature and how one, you know, it's one is a reflection of the other and, and you, you really can't separate. And I I don't know what that means. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not philosophical by nature and I'm not super intelligent. So I have a hard time verbal. Well, I'm not, but like I have a hard time verbalizing the thing, you know, the things that I think when it comes to those themes, but but they're a big part of one another. And it's been one of the, I mean, I know very early on in all of this, when 
maybe even before the lockdown, I was watching, I was watching something one night on, on my iPad and it was just like nature, you know, something with nature or something. And I started getting really like inspired about what I wanted to do with on the trail of Bigfoot. And I thought like eventually the lockdown kind of took over and like, I just stopped thinking about it for a week or two. And then it came like rushing back to me one day. And I was like, this is like, when I get to make on the trail of Bigfoot again, I, I know the entire thing is very clear in my head. Like mm-hmm. as far as the themes it's going to deal with and as far as like what I want to do with it. it and it's been clear in my head since day one. Yeah. Um, but it, uh, yeah, those, yeah, I don't know what I'm saying. Here. Just <laughs> mumbling. <laughs> well, on a very simple level, I mean, there's also the same principle that, you know, if you go out looking for Bigfoot and you go to see a new state park, mm-hmm. for example, that you've never been to before and you see something really cool there, like a, waterfall or some rock structure or what have you and and you don't see bigfoot you still saw that waterfall you know what i mean or like for in our case if you go out to the olympic peninsula you can always say i was out there i saw those mountains you know it got the the search got me out there and i think that's where that's one of the lasting legacies of a show like finding bigfoot for example and cliff barrickman i think always acknowledges that a, a whole generation is out in the woods and they've, they've gotten hooked on it. And what does that mean? They're going to ever see Bigfoot or have an interaction? Probably not, but they, they like to go camping now and they like to go for a hike with their family. And that's, that's a good unto itself. The most hiking I ever did was uh, back in like 2014 when we first moved up to this area, 2013, 2014, when we first moved up to this area and I was close to CVNP and I was going into CVNP almost daily. Like I was mm-hmm. never, I was never not hiking. If I was, fr- during, <laughs> I worked a medical billing job. I would say I was sick and leave and drive 20 minutes away and go hike all day. Like I was <laughs> like a, like a, uh, some sort of like, I don't know. There's maybe that was my midlife crisis or something. I was a yeah. very boring version of John Muir <laughs> <laughs> without the poetry. Um, yeah. But yeah, and and that was uh, that was all driven by the fact that I was really into Bigfoot at the time, and mm-hmm. and like maybe I'll see something if I keep going back. Yeah, yeah. All right. This next letter is a follow up to our uh, West Virginia folklore episode, specifically the stuff about the wizard clip, mm-hmm. which I just have to say one of the things that I love about being involved in STM and the podcast is that. I learn about stuff that I never heard of yeah. before ever and wizard clip fits squarely into that category. So, um, here's a letter from Michael. Hey, Seth and Mark, please keep up the great work. I imagine producing additional shows is burdensome, but it's an excellent distraction from the 24 seven Corona bombardment. We sincerely appreciate it. On that note, I'm writing because I have far too much time on my hands. And during the last show, I promised more details about the wizard clip. I've studied the story for a book Tony Lavorne and I are co-authoring. First of all, as with nearly all folklore, the account on Wikipedia incorporates later flourishes to the tale. The earliest versions don't mention a dying traveler as the cause of the manifestations. Uh, Galatism has nothing to do with the cleansing, and the voice wasn't what I would describe as quote-unquote sweet. I could go on and on about the evolution of this fascinating story, but in the interest of brevity, I'll hit the highlights of why I think 
the clip ghost could be an inspiration for the formation of the Bell Witch legend. The earliest accounts agree that the haunting began shortly after Adam Livingston's family moved from Pennsylvania to Middleway, then called Smithfield, but the move date is not entirely clear. Most credit the events most credit the events to have begun sometime between 1790 and 1794, but one of the more authoritative records, The Mystery of the Wizard Clip, claims 1770. Either way, the story is older than the Bell Witch and is arguably more credible provenance. I make this claim because along with secular narratives that treat the legend as a traditional ghost story, the Catholic Church investigated the events and published findings in books, letters, and magazines. Moreover, the first to formally investigate the happenings, Father Galatazin is being vetted for canonization. Oh, and he was a legitimate Russian prince whose godmother was Catherine the Great, and he gave it all up to become a missionary in the United States. But I digress. As for similarities between the Clip and Bell stories, first and most apparent is the attribution of poltergeist activity to witchcraft. I don't know how this association formed, but it can't be a coincidence that Middleway is only 24 miles from Burkittsville, Maryland, of Blair Witch fame. Mm. It seems to me that the screenplay writers may have chosen Burkittsville as a nod to the Wizard Clip legend. Secondly, as Seth pointed out, the voice is very similar. Several of the church-based versions do claim that the voice was helpful, but earlier accounts depict it as being a tormentor. It would wake them at night, either by terrible shrieking or screaming for help. It struck Mr. Livingston several times. It would order the entire family to pray for upwards of three hours at a time and often in the middle of the night. Once, when the daughters were trying on new dresses, it shattered the mirror and angrily scolded them about modesty. It burned handprints and Christograms into their clothes. It forecasted the deaths of two women, one being Mrs. Livingston. Finally, it made a priest's horse invisible to hinder him from providing last rites to someone it felt was unworthy. Lastly, the poltergeist or evil spirit activity, as the church writings call it, was somewhat similar to the Bell Witch happenings. Furniture would move on its own, loud bangs would be heard at all hours, and their beds would spontaneously catch fire. Hot coals from the fireplace would quote-unquote dance around, starting other fires. The Livingston barn burned, killing all their horses and cattle. The clipping destroyed their clothes, bedclothes, boots, saddles, and bridles, but it didn't stop there. On other occasions, the clipping sound began outside, and then the heads of the family's chickens and ducks would fall off. It also apparently had a sense of humor as it clipped the trousers of a teenager who boasted that he was unafraid of it. They dropped to the ground in front of a crowd of curious townsfolk. I haven't found the connotation of the crescent moon shapes, but I'm sure it wasn't arbitrary. Other alleged incidences of note include a cradle violently rocking on its own with a baby in it. Dishes and crockery would crash into walls at various times. Sounds of galloping horses inside the house would wake the family, and candles wouldn't stay lit. A shower of stones chased off a Methodist minister that tried to help. Herbs, spells, and books meant to cleanse the house would end up in chamber pots. I probably rambled on far too much about this legend, so I'll close here. I'm looking forward to your Bell Witch movie. Hopefully you can get back to work on it very soon. Thanks again for the additional shows. And again, that's from Mike. Uh, I think Michael Kish, Kishbucker? Kish, yes. Uh, yeah, I don't know how to say his last name. He's the one that wrote the legends and lore of Little Beaver Creek, which is sitting right here beside ah, me. Which awesome. We need to do an episode about this because it looks interesting and I'm, I'm interested in little beaver creek anyway because I, I can't i always get this wrong i can't remember if that's the same creek that runs behind the caton's house there's a there's a beaver creek is little beaver creek the same thing i don't know um but either way there is a 
there is a beaver creek that runs behind the Caton's house. I don't know. It might be the same. It might be the Minerva Monsters Creek. Um, hmm. Thanks, Michael. Cool, cool letter. I still think um, uh, there are similarities in these two stories. One of them is that the fact that the, the lead guy's name is Adam. Adam Bell. Nope. Never mind. Hmm. That was John Bell. Ignore. <laughs> As I said earlier, I'm not very, very intelligent. Uh, I can't. Yeah. All right. Um, what else do we have? Do we have more? We still have more. Yeah. Right? Okay. There's one. There's one more. Okay. There's a postscript to this too that I didn't. I just saw. Okay. And uh, just a interesting point. Mm-hmm. Side note of the story seems to have emerged from relative obscurity during the height of the spiritualism movement. Spiritualists use their versions of the tale to prove that communication with the dead is possible, while the church described it as both a conquest of evil spirits and a miracle that led to the conversion of many Protestants. Hmm. So that I think that's a really important point, actually, because whether or not there's a cause and effect between these two stories, what that shows is that this was a, uh, a movement that was happening mm-hmm. in the country at that time, yeah. so that if there are... What you know, um, there are definite similarities that have to do with the rise of spiritualism, which, is, as strange as it is to think about, that was a huge movement, um, both inside and outside of what you'd call the Christian church, and that everybody was kind of scrambling to deal with. And that was re- kind of related in the stories that you hear, and uh, you know, have a wide, wide uh, excuse me, a wide range of responses, everything from saying it's all evil and has to be cast out and the church will do that for you to those who tried to harmonize these things, you know, and say, it's really okay that these go together. I can be Christian and having a seance in my, my parlor room Mm -hmm. and everything in between. Mm. So it's just a wild time from a spiritual standpoint Mm -hmm. in our nation's history. Especially in Appalachia. Yeah. Because that's really where you see a lot of those, you know, the, those beliefs sort of married together. Yep, no um, doubt about it. All right. One more, and this is from Dan. Dear Seth and Mark, you have asked for more email, so here's email. I hope you and your families have stayed well over the trying last six weeks. I really enjoy the podcast as well as the STM movies. I was a voracious book junkie as a child and teenager, and although I don't recall exactly what initially piqued my interest, I've had an interest since childhood in mysteries such as Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, the Bermuda Triangle, and Oak Island. I grew up in Newfoundland in eastern Canada, a foggy place with a strong Irish folklore history. I grew up hearing stories from my dad about the fairies chasing the cows home from the grazing areas after dark. I remember dad showing me small mounds in an isolated area at a cliff top by the ocean that he said for years have been said to be pirate graves. I've had nightmares where the old hag has appeared to me. That might be an interesting thing for you to look into. I have never had an encounter with a Sasquatch. Perhaps the most unusual experience I ever had was when my wife and I spent a summer camping throughout Newfoundland while in college. On a very bleak and isolated piece of northern Newfoundland coastline, while driving past an area of stunted trees and immediately past a sign that said Dead Man's Cove, with wind and waves breaking on the shoreline, we immediately heard terrifying spectral and ghostly sounds and moanings coming from our car speakers. I'm not sure how coincidental it was, but apparently at that time, the cassette tape in our stereo had decided to twist while playing, and that's what had produced the noise. Needless to say, it was quite surreal. I'm not quite sure it was an accidental thing. 
I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to you both, although I jokingly refer to Seth as Mr. 20 because it seems like in every Monsteropolis episode, that's the amount of minutes Seth claims he put into researching the topic the night before. Thank God for Mark's diligence. As I told Seth in Facebook Messenger one day, I truly appreciate what you do. Don't ever let anybody tell you that the topics you cover, the work you do, the films you make are not important. You offer an escape from some of the harsh reality around us which has only been emphasized by the recent pandemic. You have both offered me personally a tremendous escape, which I have greatly appreciated. In 2013, I was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer at age 46 as a non-smoker. I underwent lung surgery, chemotherapy, and more cancer medications, which I still have to take to this day. Seven years later, I'm still alive, doing well, and working, despite the fact that stage four lung cancer only has a 1% five-year survival. I've beaten the odds so far, but cancer fears always stalk me. Incidentally, in January 2013, before my diagnosis, I was elected coroner of my county in Ohio, and shortly after that, the heroin crisis hit. Among my lung cancer friends and colleagues, met through my involvement in cancer advocacy work, in my work as coroner, and even as a family physician, I've personally seen too much death and turmoil over the last seven years. Far too much death of young people with others who care about them dying too soon. The COVID-19 crisis just adds to that. Both of you and your crew are filling a void, an escapist void that is desperately needed in these trying times. You've turned me on to other filmmakers such as Alexander Petikoff and led me to start amassing my own rather large personal library of cryptozoology, UFO, and other books about the unknown. I'm not sure what the truth is about all the topics you cover. I am both a believer and a skeptic. But I do know that after dealing with everything else all day, I don't need to see more mayhem on the nightly news. I just need some STM to unwind and escape. You are filling a societal need. Every culture has always needed to have its storytellers. You are both storytellers and artists and highly skilled at what you do. Please keep doing it and always stand proud of your work and what you have accomplished. I realize this contains a lot of personal musings and information, but feel free to share it on your podcast or whatever you feel necessary. And again, sincerely, that is Dan in Port Clinton, Ohio. Uh, Dan sent me Port Clinton. Why do I know that name, Mark? Where's that at? Where's Port Clinton? Uh, It's up. It's on. Isn't it along the. Oh, God bless it. I love Port Clinton. There's a great (laughs) little like bookstore. Yeah, I love Port Clinton. And we went with Marbleheads up there. And I used to mm. I used to sail out of Portland to go over to to uh, yeah I have some I have some personal I have some crazy life changing things that happened to me up there. Um, that's cool. I didn't realize he was in Ohio. I was thinking he was in Newfoundland because I read his. Okay, so Dan sent us these hilarious videos a while ago, and I forgot to forward them to you. But he went searching in the woods for coronavirus and found some coronavirus nests <laughs> and. Uh, various things. I mean, classic healthcare provider slash coroner. He's got he's got a uh, uh, sense of humor, dark sense of humor. Yeah. Um, but Dan sent a uh, message to me on Facebook a while ago, right when all this started, and very heartwarming, just like what you just read. But the first thing I responded was like, "How? Like, thank you for <laughs> for all you do. Like, you know, we make movies about." this stuff and and he's actually on the uh quote unquote front lines of everything so um yeah i think a bigger thanks goes out to him for for all he does but that was a really cool uh touching email yeah. these things those 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 things are nice to hear 
occasionally in between the people complaining that our movies aren't free on Amazon Prime yet. It's nice to get, it's nice to get it uh, an email like that. I mean, I, I you, you almost can't you, it's almost impossible to put into words like how you feel about something like that because you feel like you're going to underplay it or something like that. But mm-hmm. you, that means more people that send us things like this they get shared with everyone, especially people, you know, that send messages about the, about the movies and things. I try to share with everyone so everyone can see that what we're doing, it, 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 it's more than just like a fun time for us to, to have together as pals. Like people are genuinely able to, to find escapism in what we do. So that's super, super nice, Dan. Thank you. Yeah. I have to say that was, there were a couple times reading that just now where it was very hard to not become emotional mm-hmm. because you know cancer has touched everyone's family i'm sure and certainly ours mm-hmm. is dealing with um some challenges right now and uh so you know we continue to pull for you mm-hmm. dan uh, you know if we if we can play some small part in helping you beat the odds just by having that uh escape and be able to rest and recharge um it's extremely meaningful and uh just yeah thank you thank you for taking the time to write and express yourself that way because yeah. it's pretty uh pretty meaningful to us and uh, fulfilling i think yep yeah. um is that it is that all of our our letters for this week that is seven letters you ended on on a very high note um seven letters thank you if you want to send us mail i'll tell you what it does it allows us to have something to do on a week where I forget we need to record and we can sit down and go through seven letters and use up almost an hour of, of time in doing it. Um, so so please send letters to monsteropolismail at gmail.com. Um, and uh, oh, the bells started outside the window. Um, monsteropolismail at gmail.com. Leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Um, stay safe and healthy out there. Uh, oh, and, and Tuesday's show is Cliff Barrickman. You'll hear that on Tuesday. Um, and then after that, I don't know. I got to figure out who, I'm, who we're interviewing next. And and uh, don't forget to check out those common commentaries too. So I almost started crying. Um, uh, no, it sent, uh, the, the commentaries and uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I was going to say. I get to go film a week from tomorrow. And that is like front of my mind right now. Although yeah. now I'm also really excited to start shooting on the trail of Bigfoot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thanks yeah. for get your get your hiking boots ready. Yeah, yeah. It, it's beyond time to go. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll be back next week. Monsteropolis is proudly presented on Wadsworth Community Radio 97.1 FM or streaming live at wadsworthcommunityradio.com. It is proudly underwritten by Thurber's Jewelers on the Square in downtown Wadsworth. Wadsworth.